Hi, I'm Jackie. I'm Wesley. I'm Killick. I'm Ryan. So we've been friends since high school. And now that we're quarantined, taking online classes, which kind of sucks, booty hell, by the way, and lonely as fuck, now we're doing a podcast to give us something to live for. <laughs> uh, maybe for you, Killick. Join us as we talk about past stories and controversial topics. We're just, just four friends. All right, so welcome back to the Just for Friends podcast uh, with Ryan, Killig, Jackie, and Wesley, me. Uh, today, we're going to talk about coronavirus and um, how it's been different here in the U.S., California specifically, and um, other countries, and also how it has affected um, how we go about our lives. So to start off, uh, we want to talk about how lockdown is going on like right now what restrictions we have on what we can do in california and how does it compare to what um other states or other countries are doing so i want to start off with an example um, new zealand and um one of the things that they've done very well is um they've kept their infection rates pretty low and that's something that we haven't been able to do and um, one of the key factors for this is because they actually instituted um, pretty early on like travel restrictions, like um, movement across borders and all that to prevent anybody infected to like come over or come out. And also a very strict lockdown procedure, um, both um, of which we didn't really see in the US. So um, for the US, we saw more I don't know if you guys remember, but back in March, there was a um, European travel ban. I was on the same time the NBA canceled the game. Um, there was that. And then um, there was all this confusion about it. Everybody was, you know, flying back and forth still because they didn't really know. And at the end, like, there, there was still not really, like, a travel restriction. Like, it was still, like, U.S. citizens could still move abroad and, you know, come back and forth. And it wasn't until, like, a whole week later when everything stopped. So um, I just want to get your, your guys' thoughts on um, what you think about like how we handled it, um, maybe how we could have done it differently or anything like that. Yeah, so when, I, when we look at this on more of a global scale, clearly the U.S. Is one of the, um, has one of the most high-rising cases, uh, continually high-rising, uh, really high mortality rate as well. And there, you know, I, when we're comparing just the U.S. to other countries, you know, before comparing California, definitely we have to look at population. So U.S. is definitely a lot more highly populated um, and more highly densely populated than other countries. So it does make controlling the virus. I would think it, it makes controlling the virus a lot more difficult, but I believe that is a very small problem compared to other, you know, when we look at it on a political level, because for some reason, politics affects the spread of the, the virus somehow because people, you know, s simply either refuse to listen to certain, certain protocols and that contributes to um, the growing case, the growing number of cases. So I think in terms of policies, the U.S. doesn't do such a great job compared to other countries just because our president, for example, doesn't seem the most knowledgeable nor the 
most active in combating this virus. You know, he has made numerous public appearances talking about COVID itself and every single time it doesn't seem very, every time he mentions it or he's asked his opinion on what is your plan, you know, because as president, you're leader of their country, what is your plan towards mitigating this virus? And of course, when the outbreak first happened, his response was almost to play it off as, oh, there is no virus. You know, there is no global, or there is a virus, but it's not that big of a deal. So I think he really downplayed it. And considering all of his supporters um, nationwide, you can imagine people that really watch him, they are influenced by him and not because of um, the nature of the virus. You know, you have a certain group of people that don't follow protocol that affects other people's, you know, that puts other people at risk as well. So I think the easiest and biggest example is um, to simplest protocols to wear a mask whenever you go out. And I don't think Donald Trump really took that seriously. It was really a good role model towards um, implementing that policy until just recently. And this pandemic has been going on for almost a year. So I, I would think that, you know, when you have a leader like that, you have a person like that, that people look towards that doesn't follow certain protocol, they will not do the same. And that will just affect, you know, other people's daily livelihood. So yeah, I think that's one of the biggest, biggest things, you know, just difference in leadership, difference in properly implementing policies that really makes um, the US's cases so much higher and the mortality rate so much higher than other countries. So I actually wanted to go off of the mask thing real quick. Um, so uh, I just want to give a quick recap of the whole timeline. Um, so back when I think it was like February, uh, early March, even like late March, um, you know, you can hear people saying like, not even just like the president, like just officials in general, like, oh, no, like, you know, masks, like, you want to, you want to not, it, it doesn't help. There, there's no, there's no point. Like, um, you might as well just save them for like the, uh, the health professionals and, and not wear them out. But, but that kind of changed, like, I think late April, maybe mid April, where they started saying like face coverings. So you would have to go out and, you know, wear anything, something to cover your face to make sure you're not spitting on, spitting out your saliva in public and, you know, just passing germs through regular talking. So um, I think it's interesting that like that, that shift in tone and was so significant. And like, uh, I, I remember reading like the Instagram comments when, when I first announced that like, oh, face, rec face coverings are now like recommended by the CDC. And comments were like, oh, like, we, we knew this already. Like, it's too much, too, too little, too late. Like, those, those are mainly what, what was being said. So uh, I just wanted to put that in there real quick. But Killick, did you have something to say? Yeah, so pretty much what Ryan said, I definitely agree with like almost everything that he said. And at the beginning of like the lockdown stuff, I honestly saw it coming. By saw it coming, I mean that like I saw the United States like having higher rates of COVID than other countries and our country also like being the slowest to, to reopen again because in my personal opinion, I kind of don't think highly of the United States um, citizens <laughs> as in like, I think I think that a lot of citizens are like irresponsible 
And like, I guess for example, um, when I saw when I when I when I came down to San Diego after after um school ended, like I saw this pretty I saw this pretty like evidently, like in when we were driving by the beaches, there was like a bunch of people like with no masks on. They were just like hanging out, and this was like in in the midst of the whole COVID stuff and like yeah. in June, July ish, and I was like pretty shocked and also. I wouldn't say shocked, but I was also like, I saw it coming just because of how, yeah, like I said, how United States citizens are. And especially like looking at USC also, I remember the first two to school when students were returning to campus, I saw on Reddit, there was pictures of students that were like hanging out and like gatherings in one of the off-campus apartments. And like pretty much just, you can see like the rates going up. So I guess all I had to say about this is pretty much that I saw everything coming and I'm not really surprised to see that United States is kind of lacking in terms of opening up again. Yeah, definitely agree with all that. Sorry, Jackie, I know you wanted to go next, but um, just because Kelly mentioned, um, you know, reopenings or initially we had lockdowns and then certain areas reopened. I just wanted to briefly talk about that where um, I, I definitely agree with Kelly when you said, um, as initially when COVID, when COVID happened, you know, and we when the lockdown first happened, places it was I would say it was more fairly strict because um, it was more immediate and it was the first call for a lockdown. And I guess people were kind of shocked, like, okay, maybe this is a big deal. And then when the lockdown happened, and then nothing really resulted as about like people didn't really see any results. They got more impatient, and they kind of that led them, I believe, to downplay it a lot more. So like Gillick said, um, like for the U for, for California, if we're talking specifically about California, beaches started, the governor reopened the beaches. First they closed it down, then they reopened it. Uh, with sure, they added a policy where you needed to wear a mask or whatnot. But even so, a lot of people didn't follow that because um, I could be wrong about this, but I don't believe even now it's a federal law to wear a mask in public. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's to that degree. But, you know, of course you walk into a store, by store policy, they will, they would say, oh, to enter our store, you must require a mask because, you know, we have the right to refuse service to anyone. So, but, you know, people can always use the excuse, oh, it's my personal choice. It's, I have this, it's my right, my freedom of right, or, you know, whatever you see in the news, people say ridiculous things like that. And it, it's just, it's kind of, yeah, it is very saddening to hear what Kelly says, how our citizens don't even have respect for themselves or for other people. Um, Funny enough, when I, I had an encounter, I had an interesting encounter when I went to the grocery store. This is this is only like a month ago. I went to Stater Brothers uh, just to pick up some groceries. And it was by that time already when stores required you to to even enter the store, you have to wear a mask. So I walked in, you know, everyone for the most, everyone was wearing a mask. And then one lady came in with the mask and then took it off for some reason. So I entered the store. I didn't see her take it off, but there's no way she could have gotten in without wearing one because they, they do a check-in. Like they have security at the beginning in front of the store watching. And she took her off. Like she was in the store out and about with no mask on. And a lady actually called her out for it. And then her response was, um, I didn't hear the, the lady who wasn't wearing a mask. I didn't really hear her res uh, response too well because I, I was too far. But the other lady who was calling her out for it was saying like, oh, you're obviously putting other people at risk here. If you're going to, if you're refusing to wear your mask, have someone else do your grocery shopping for you or use other methods, you know, maybe you can do online grocery shopping or do delivery, um, but don't go out in public 
risking other people's um, health. And then I guess <laughs> that kind of made her guilty. And then when I went in line and then I saw the lady who wasn't wearing a mask, she was standing right behind me with a mask on now. So I guess, I don't know, maybe there is some hope. Maybe people will, if you call out people for it, maybe they, hopefully with less resistance, they will, you know, kind of come to understand like, oh, people do care about this. It is a big deal. And, you know, I think it's just, it's definitely hard for, for a person to go into public, um, you know, with, without any real indication of whether or not they really care about others because it seems like they're only really thinking about themselves. But when people call them out for it, I think it will help them realize that it is a bigger deal than, than they might downplay it to be. Yeah, so I wanted to bring up several points that the issue of the pandemic has happened within the U.S. So I think the main reason why the U.S. has the highest amount of cases worldwide is one cultural um, aspect of the U.S. And the second reason is the type of sacrifices that has to happen when you're making a decision of closing down the entire state, city, country, whatnot. So the first thing is cultural. As you may know, I think the U.S. is kind of the capital of greed. Um, and it's not a bad thing, the invisible hand concept. You doing the best for yourself inherently helps other people around you. And I think that concept is, you know, the basis of capitalism and also a huge factor to the U.S. success. But when that mindset kind of trickles down to more of the social interactions of you trying, not thinking about the community or making a decision that you see benefits you but may hurt other people. I think what Ryan went about in his story, it's kind of an example of that. Or the people, more specifically, the students in Miami uh, during spring break when kind of every school was starting to shut down, still going out to the beaches and partying. There was a quote in one of the videos that I watched regarding this topic where a student said, if I get coronavirus, I get coronavirus, but that's not going to stop me from partying. And I think the culture of that across the U.S. is still there. I think other people might recognize that that there is kind of a flaw to that thinking. And like what Ryan says, prioritize the safety of the community and the global benefit of that uh, compared to themselves is what really holds or has mitigated the case spread so much more than what it could have been. Uh, the second thing I wanted to bring up is the United States ethical question in the very beginning of the pandemic. So what I think the president was trying to keep was economy versus public health. There, it's, a, it's a decision where you have to make to whether you want to sacrifice the older generation of Americans to save the younger generations of Americans, or you want to save the older generation of Americans and then kill off the younger. Because if you think about it, if you close down every single state, city for a couple of months, you are sacrificing the younger generation who aren't as wealthy, 
meaning that can't support themselves, that they can't work, who, you know, have to pay bills because there's always fixed costs to your living expenses in attempts to save a generation that is more likely to catch the disease. So I think the response of the U.S. underneath another leadership or whatnot, I can't say for sure that it would have been a different scenario with our cases because I think it's just built in to how the country is itself. But I think it's a harder question and really difficult answer to come up with in the very beginning. And I think the response that has happened is not the best as well. I, I disagree. I myself has been quarantined for the enti- mostly the entirety. I think there was one time when I, I went out, but taking the safe precautions, but I've been quarantined for the majority of the entire pandemic. So I agree that we should, you know, prioritize the community over our own needs. And I think that the results of our response was inevitable for us to be this, this bad. Yeah, uh, you bring up really good points there, Jackie, um, where it seems as if the, the emphasis on what will, you know, how, how can we mitigate re- repercussions from the virus? And it seems like rather than alleviating, you know, rather than focusing on public health and alleviating um, the spread of cases, it seems like people are trying, are, you're right, they, you know, they're, they're more focused on the business aspect of life and trying to save their own businesses and, you know, which, which, is, which is reasonable because in, in, in reality, you need, you need money to survive, like, in, especially in this, in this econ- in our, our U.S. economy. It's, it's unrealistic to say, like, money doesn't buy happiness um, when really it, there are a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of things that need to be paid for in order just to have a normal, um, you know, just to have a normal, normal life. So, yeah, like when, when Jackie mentions for businesses, having a lockdown and closing off um, certain businesses in the, in the U.S., it, it does have a higher impact on people that can't support themselves, you know, not just specifically younger generations, but even when we talk about like small business owners, it's hard to, you know, they can't pay their own bills. And then the, when you talk about, you know, the wealthy, they, they will even, even some people are able to still, still make their own money just from not, not, you know, physically working. But you know the rich will only get richer even in this global, globally, uh, global pandemic. And those who suffer suffer heavier consequences. And I feel like you know the U.S. did implicate policies to try to help that you know with the stimulus uh, or anything. But overall, it it doesn't. You can only do so much when your entire you know business has to close down. So I think there's a lot like plenty of factors. But rather than like I think that the topic we mentioned was we are not focused. The U.S. doesn't focus too much on um, on public health, and it, you know, just seeing the response of of people across the the nation, like Jackie said, with um, even the younger generation students who prioritize their own fun in life over you know the safety of others. Yeah, I can even see that my university. Um, I don't want to call out anyone specific, but I have seen like even on social media, there's just so blatant about like hanging out with other people, like having very large group gatherings, um, even like 
earlier in the in the lockdown when they specifically said, you know, no gatherings of of us of this certain size, and they do so in such a very closed, tight environment, like like in a house, for example. Not if you want to. I mean, if you want to hang out with people, at least I don't know, go go out in the open and do it where you're away from other people. Like have some kind of respect for other people. And I don't know. It was just it was just hard hard to see that because um, some of them on social media that I saw claim to aspire towards a medical career. So I don't understand how you can even have, how you can even do something like that. You know, when you're, you're pursuing a medical career, you want to talk about, you talk about how you want, you want to help others, but how are you going to help others when you can't even help yourself? So yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to see. And it's, it's very frustrating to see too, but I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. Um, I just wanted to add. <laughs> I just wanted to add a quick fun, not fun, but something like that's like really unorthodox that I found that came out of this whole entire lockdown was like ever since the whole um, the whole lockdown happened, I saw like the rise. It kind of this kind of relates to what Jackie said about cultures in America and Ryan's uh, story. Um, but I find it funny that with, within the lockdown time period, we found like a rise in like the cancel culture and a bunch of like rides and even something even like the whole Karen stuff that's pretty much kind of similar to Ryan stuff and all I wanted to say that just found it really interesting that all of this came out amidst um, this whole pandemic yeah definitely <laughs> a lot of people having gathering like mob mentality everyone just grouping together saying oh if he's not wearing a mask why should I wear a mask and then you just creates i don't know like i feel like our generation is all about movements or whatnot creating all these movements from either trends and then people just kind of hop on that trend but rather than really thinking for themselves um what is the implications behind a trend or a or a movement um not to call out our generation or anything but it feels like our whole generation is a trend and people just hop on these trends without really understanding why they're even happening because they just do it for you know, for clout or whatnot. Gotta be Instagram famous. I'm calling them out. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's also important to note that I think with us four, our decision whether to stay quarantined or not really is stemmed from not the cultural upbringing, uh, in terms of American cultural upbringing of us being kind of born in America, raised in the American education system, but really our cultural background in terms of our ethnic uh, family or ethnic um, community. So I think the reason why I really valued, you know, staying quarantined is because I really wanted to protect my family, importantly, because if I did decide to go out um, into these more public areas, probably with people that might or may not be exposed to the virus, I wouldn't be able to see my grandparents or I wouldn't be able to see my mom. So I think that is really stemmed from maybe like a Chinese cultural background because we have a lot of emphasis on family. So I think that's the reason why maybe us four um, decide to stay in quarantine more often just because of that cultural ethnic background that their values rather than American values that we've witnessed over the course of these couple months yeah agreed that that is definitely true 
So, so I know we've talked a little bit about um, how this has affected like us personally, but um, I, I just want to know like, um, do, do you guys have like any certain things you wanted to do maybe during the summer that were prevented by it or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like a hundred, well, obviously I, I could say, I'm, I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say COVID has definitely affected our social lives. Um, like everyone socialized because you can't really interact with people in the same way that you did before. So like for me, I, I mean, I didn't have anything specific planned for summer, but, you know, just specifically looking at our friend group, we, we go to college in different places. And even like me specifically, I live, I, I don't live in Diamond Bar and, you know, I'm currently residing in Riverside. So it's, you know, Riverside to, River, to Diamond Bar isn't that far. But I don't, I don't see how, like, given, given the lockdown and everything, it, it is hard to kind of get people to come together, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, you know? So, I mean, at best, best is just on, through online communication, like through Discord, which is, I think, what I've really been utilizing a lot more just to connect with, like, reconnect, connect and reconnect with other people. Um, when I, to reconnect with other people, I started, I joined like a discord server that I didn't even know like my scout friends had before. So, and ever since then I'm on there like almost every day, pretty much every day, just uh, a little bit at a time just to connect with them. And uh, sometimes we play games together, but I definitely shifted like I, for summer, as I approach, you know, as I'm in my third year right now, I had wanted to spend, to take the summer to focus on a lot more time in the hospital that, that I was in at RCH, but ever since uh, the pandemic happened, I, you know, I'm, me and my family made a decision to kind of, I, I, that I should remove myself from the hospital just because, you know, try to mitigate any possible contact I can have with any infectious people. Because for me, I'm not a, I'm not an essential worker at, at, at RCH. Um, I am just like a volunteer there. And pretty much the work I do is voluntary. If anything, it's not even voluntary because I have to pay 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 to volunteer, which is kind of funny to think about. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's worth it for me at this age. And for you know, I can just always wait until the pandemic definitely slows down, and and then I could resume volunteering. But it's hard. Like I haven't volunteered. I haven't been to the hospital in almost half in like almost half a year, which is a really long time. And that's a lot of lost hours that I could have had. And like, that's, that's definitely not, wow. Now, now I think about that is a lot of lost hours. Cause for me, I did, I, I volunteered once a week for around 48 hours. And that, that's, you kind of add that up over the course of six months. That's a lot, that's a lot of hours that, that I missed out on. And it's not just, you know, me doing it for the hours, but it's also, I feel like I've lost my my connection with uh, like interacting with other people because when I volunteered at the hospital, it was interacting with patients, assisting them. And I feel like I don't, it's not like I forgot how to do it, but when I, when I put myself in a scenario, I've definitely forgotten. I definitely, it's not the same for me to connect with other people the same way I did before. Uh, and it's even harder now, even if I were to return now, um, there's just so many barriers towards what you can really do. I feel like it would just be a waste of an experience. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really have a plan concerning that. I mean, I, I said I had wanted to start uh, going back to the hospital again after, uh, after the summer 
uh, then maybe after this quarter, but it's just going to keep on delaying and delaying until, I don't know, somehow maybe their policy changes. But definitely for me, it's taken a turn for the worse in terms of my social life. But I think little things like this, you know, connecting online, I've, I've definitely utilized a lot more. And it's, it's definitely helped my, my sanity. <laughs> no more Momo runs. It's the, uh, the Zoom run. Yeah, yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, uh, Killick, you have yeah. anything you want to... I think I've had semi-mixed experiences with the whole social aspect of it. And in short, for I think it's me personally, because I'm already kind of lazy to go to social outings, and having everything online makes myself even more lazy to go. For For example, there's like, I've been trying to go to social events for CICASA, which is a social club for, for Chinese interested students. And I remember going to like the first events for like the first two, three weeks. And after that, I just completely stopped going just out of pure laziness. And even with the Discord chat for our, our friend group, I'm on there like what, maybe like once every two, three weeks. Even though I do have the free time to go, I'm just super lazy to even like participate. And even um, adding to that, to like some social, not even social, but like when I hang out with friends on, on Zoom, it's at least for me, I've kind of like Ryan said, I've kind of forgotten or lost the ability to, to socialize in that kind of manner. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I feel like even, even me speaking now, I, I definitely, that's what, one of the biggest reasons why I was really excited to do, like start this part or to do this podcast with you guys when uh, when you guys suggested it was it gives me an opportunity to kind of practice you know just yeah. even like speaking with people you know because yeah. like even i'll be honest even now just me speaking me speaking literally in this moment right now does not feel as natural as it did before like it's harder for me to formulate my thoughts just because it's i i haven't practiced doing so and this like being in this pandemic really makes you think like wow you take life for granted, literally just going out and interacting with people. You take that, you take that for granted. Cause I, can, I don't even remember how to speak to people. Sometimes I go out in public, like to just do my grocery shopping and I'm talking to the cashier, like, oh, how's your day? And then I'll say something like, man, what did I even say? They'll ask like, how, how's your day? And I just said, yeah, I just got out of my car. Like that's the most exciting thing I did all day. Like I, I see the light <laughs> of day literally like once a week <laughs> on Saturdays, that's pretty much it. I go out, I water the plants and that's, I absorb as much vitamin D as I can. And then I go back inside and then I, I just, it's just so hard. And I, I definitely agree with Killick how, when he says like, maybe for him, he said he got maybe a little lazier. I definitely gotten lazy, like lazier as in it's, I don't want to put in, it's, it's harder for me to accumulate the energy to, to put myself out there. Like I used to before. I wouldn't say like I'm an introverted person. I would say I'm a little, I'm, I'm a mix of both um extroverted as in you know sometimes in public settings I, I definitely do like to do things with the group but there are i don't know i feel like now it's harder for me to get energy like to build off of other people's energy uh like like i used to before and it's just i don't know it just feels like it's a lot more mentally draining for me when i try to put myself out there like i used to so hopefully that changes you know like i feel like little things like this definitely help but yeah, <laughs> this podcast is basically our therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, not that is not wrong. <laughs> from Wait, my perspective. I, can, I can speak about that same interaction because I think when 
So the one time that I mentioned about going out in quarantine was to see Wesley, actually. We were doing kind of like a mini get-together. Not everybody could attend, of course, but it was like a Cane's thing where we were trying to finish a hundred Cane chicken fingers like we did back when we visited Ryan at Riverside. We tried to do that. I think during the interaction where we were just eating – it felt so awkward. There was weird pauses. Conversation felt very unnatural like it was before. It was a mix of pauses and then random comments, laughter, and then long, awkward pauses again. And it just didn't feel like the same as when we did it when we were in Riverside where we just talked about random stuff. Yeah. yeah. I like to blame the chicken, you know? <laughs> Because the uh, chicken was so like good, it. it left us speechless. So, like, <laughs> oh, what are you saying, Kelly? I was gonna say that's how I talk on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the way when you speak with people in, in certain settings, the way like it's how, how what what makes it easier is when you have something to talk about, and when you just like you don't do anything in your daily in your day to day life now, like as much as you used to before, it's just hard to talk with other people. I mean, you can ask them like. How's your week been? And then the mold will just say like, yeah, you know, I took a trip upstairs now in the week. You know, I, I haven't touched that territory. I've always been downstairs. <laughs> and then I decided to take a trip in the upstairs bathroom to get a different experience. That's literally me. Like I, I tried sleeping in different rooms to try to have a different experience because I have all this house to myself. So I sleep in different parts of the house on some nights just to get, just to get a new experience and for me to do something just to break this chain of, of, of just living indoors all the time where I just, I'm in my room and now, now the school has started. I'm in my, I'm, you know, I, I list, I, I work in my room and then I eat downstairs and then I play games upstairs and then I, I go to the, I go to the gym outside. Like that, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that allows me to interact with other people. Just going to the gym or watering, watering the plants for my mom. Uh, Wait, that, can- that does it. So, can you give background on, like, why you have a whole house to yourself? Because I'm not sure everybody knows if, like, your oh, situation. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yes. Long story short, basically, I have, I basically have my own place in Riverside. And it's just me and my sister living here right now. It's, uh, it's like an actual house, 3,800 square feet. Um, and long story short, basically, my parents invested in this house for my, me and my sister's futures. Um, so... Uh, I've I've been living here by myself since my freshman year of college. Uh, Wesley joined me in my second year, but um, when pandemic happened, he went back home to Roland in spring quarter, I believe. So he's only here for 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 two quarters. Yeah, and then Angela recently moved in because she started college at UCR. So she, you know, that's one way to kind of help her become more independent, which I, she definitely has. Yeah, long story short that's how i have my own place i guess but yeah it's nice and it's bad you know people always ask me all, all the time like don't you feel lonely didn't you miss out on the the college experience your first year by dorming or whatnot and i, I give them the same response like no why would i want to share a room or a hallway with like 20 other people and that <laughs> you have no privacy to yourself you just communal bathrooms now i love having my own place and before then like friends would come over all the time uh, friends would come over every now and then and it, it would be a really good experience but just having your own place in your own privacy is definitely something that i enjoy 
dorms is fun until it isn't. That, yeah. that is the. Uh... <laughs> and you can't do anything about it when it isn't, right? Because you can't have your own privacy because there's other people there. Dude, but you can, you got so many cool stories from dorming experience. Like, all the bad ones are also really funny as well. That's true. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't deny that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, just going back to the topic. All right, yeah. So, uh, I was going to ask you guys, uh, what do you think, like, so so, so we've been in this, like, pretty long, like, what is it like? It's October? Seven months? Yeah, seven months. Wow, seven months. Hello. Uh, so, what, what do you what do you what do you consider as like a safe thing to do right now? Like, what 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 level uh, or or like what level of safe would you mm-hmm. need before you can like um, I don't know go back to class, you know, resume normal activities, get in a crowded subway car? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? What do you? What do you? At what level? Obviously, like, like. Um, Wait, can I address the subway yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. So actually, I found out from a friend that lives in New York, and I asked him how was the, like, coronavirus affecting the city itself? Because in the earlier months, we found out that, you know, New York was struggling a lot, um, in terms of people getting exposed to the virus. And it turns out right now, New York is pretty much clean. Uh, This is like kind of off topic with our personal experience. But what he told me was the mayor is actually getting a lot of backlash. Because the reason why New York has been most fairly clean is because the people in the very beginning that were kind of high risk, they were all killed off because the mayor decided to put all sick people in nursing homes, not knowing their effect or the virus's... uh, the virus's traits and how it affects older generation individuals and people with, you know, not the best health condition. So right now the streets, it's really interesting to go to New York right now. Cause if you want to go eat, the streets are basically your dining area. They just, oh. you know, put all the outdoor seatings and they created like a place where you can even enjoy eating in a safe environment but also i asked him about the subways and he said the subways are actually open too so new york has completely or mostly for the majority gotten rid of the virus by killing off so that's why i want to bring it up because that's kind of the question that we asked ourselves in the beginning of this pandemic whether we want to say the younger generation the older generation and i guess new york chose maybe unwillingly chose the younger generation i would, I would say because for cal yeah so I, I definitely had a similar talk like jackie did um with, with a, a guy i met who lives in new york and he tells me he told me this like a month or two ago that that new york new york's um cases have dropped very significantly compared to california i think uh sorry just going back to uh, what a what topic was i think what wesley did ask in the, in the beginning you know, how as cases in California, how, how do they compare to, um, so we're just talking about California compared to other other states in the U.S. Um, I would say we definitely have a higher higher number of cases just because um, California and certain um, city areas, they're a lot more densely packed. So of course, you know, that's, that would lead to more, um, more cases and a higher spread. 
Um, but like Wesley says, how, you know, how when he asked the question, how what level of normalcy would be appropriate for for me to consider it safe to resume those activities. I mean, for me, um, I only recently started going back to the gym because the gym near my house reopened. And like even my school gym, that was what I went, um, that is what I utilized before. Um, they're, they're not opening obviously because campus is closed. So I know I kind of try to, I knew it was kind of a risk even for me because gyms could be populated. And of course you're literally contacting a lot of a lot of things, you know, when you're touching the weights, when you're touching other equipment. But when I went there and then I looked at their COVID policies, it was actually really interesting. Uh, just to confirm, I, I go to the Planet Fitness now near my house because that's the only one that that was open earlier and that was, you know, within a reasonable driving distance for me. And so I tried like their free trial just for just for uh, two days. And they have like they only allow a certain number of people that enter the gym and like they literally like a line go, go, going into going into the gym and they have sanitizing stations all around and everyone is actually very like when i went there everyone was very mindful and respectful of of others like everyone wiped down after use or they would use like they would bring their own um, um sanitizing equipment even so i thought i found that very like very nice to see how how people you know seem to care more about their about the community i don't know if it's just like the gym community or just you know maybe those people just being nice in general but yeah i would say there's only like 15 20 people max in the gym at the time and it was very everyone was really widely spaced out everyone was really mindful of using equipment so uh, that was really nice to see so for me like i felt comfortable going to the gym in, in that in that scenario so yeah but um, other other levels of normalcy i mean going grocery shopping for me that's always been I, I of course you know you need food to survive so i've always been doing that trying to i, I don't really take into account like oh I, I don't really monitor oh people like people go during this time less and people they go to this time a lot more so uh, i just kind of go whenever i need to and i just i just try to be quick about it, it definitely that's one thing that has changed where i'm a lot more quick about um, doing certain chores that I need to do before just to uh, limit avoid contact with other people but yeah it's pretty much it pretty much it in terms of things that, that I do pretty much just indoors all the time other than just going grocery shopping and going to the gym I think for me I don't exactly know what is considered safe but and I also don't know like what people's thoughts are about um, like a vaccine but yeah, for me, I think I would be, I would feel comfortable going out when there is a vaccine that definitely works and when the majority of people have, have gotten it, just because even if they announce that, it, that it's all safe to go out and stuff, I would still be hesitant about going out until I know that there's some kind of like law requirement that's forcing people to take these extra precautions. Interesting. Yeah, so, so you would need you would need like absolute certainty before you can start thinking about normal. Yeah, because it kind of it kind of relates to what I said about like America. Even even if everything is like safe and sound, because of what I because of what I stereotype about Americans, there's still a risk of 
um, things not, I wouldn't say things coming back, but there's still a small risk that I can get it. But I guess given that time frame, I would assume that even if I do get it or something, they would have some kind of way to easily, not easily, but like to like remove, to remove the virus from myself. Yeah, to speak upon that, I think we have to look at the definition of normalcy. I think what, I think the question is if we would return, like what level of safety would we consider to return to normalcy? And I believe that the word normalcy has changed. I think with the virtual environment that we've been kind of experienced is going to be a new form of what is normal, especially in the workforce when people can be doing their jobs in a virtual environment and not have to go to work or their physical office, that attribute of that job might change the actual job in the future or when the vaccine is released. And even if a vaccine is released, the problem of distributing it to every single American or every single citizen of the world is a huge issue in its own, right? You cannot assume that every single person has received the vaccine. So uh, moving forward, the level, the state of what I would feel comfortable kind of resuming what we perceived as normal before the pandemic would be similar to Killix, where I would, even if the vaccine was released, even if the government had a plan to distribute it to every single person, an effective plan, I would still wait a couple of months and kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah, for sure. Very, very interesting. I think it's really interesting too how, for me, during my spring quarter, um, when when we first transitioned to online, online learning, um, COVID became a part of my curriculum for some of my courses. I was taking a psych psychology course and a biochemistry course. And not, not like, I'm sorry, not, not really part of the curriculum, but they, they did try to incorporate, you know, what are the psychological impacts that COVID will have on our community. And I had to do like a survey in the beginning on, um, uh, about the virus and my, and my, um, my, my thoughts on it. And I remember one of the questions asked, do you think, how are, do you think, and to what extent do you think the virus will affect our culture and what kind of long lasting effects will it have? And then I guess from even now six months, the fast forward six months later to now, um, it's, you can kind of, I can kind of answer the question where COVID has definitely impacted our culture. Like Jackie said, our definition of normalcy from what it was before, you know, life will be different um, later on, even if we have a vaccine for it. And then it's so funny how the first thing I thought about when, when, I, when, I, when we were discussing how a vaccine could be developed in my biochem class was, even if a vaccine was to be discovered, then you're gonna have a bunch of other issues, like Jackie mentioned, with distributing it. And then certain people that will refuse to take it, like anti-vaxxers, to give an example, and it's like when you have, you know, other other recurring issues in our in our life before that are going to be implemented with with the solution for COVID, 
it's, I don't know. I feel like it's just so there's not, there's never like a clear cut solution, even though it sounds so simple. Like, yeah, you get a vaccine, everyone will be fine. In reality, it's not that simple. Um, just, just because of our culture and yeah. And I think like the, what, what the, the phrase we kept using before was like, Oh, Americans are like the culture we have here is just so like, almost like so greedy. Everyone just really for themselves. Um, as, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that about everyone. Of course, there's plenty of very uh, self-righteous people in this, in, in America that, you know, do consider other people or put others, I think about others as well, but, you know, for the small percentage that do live up to that, I know that stereotype that we've been pointing out, it's, it's really hard to, to see like how they could affect or how they could respond to, to certain solutions. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That culture aspect is is definitely a big part of it. Like, um, I think I think the word we're all dancing around is um, you know, like I think we really stress on privacy over here. And um, the thing is, like, privacy in terms of like, okay, so what? Like the 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 end goal of um, all these actions is to get to a point where you know who has what so you can you know limit exposure to them and you can limit where they go and then that's how you like make sure everybody's clear mm -hmm. so i say privacy because like um the whole goal of like everybody locking down is to like get all the cases down to like a low number and then you be able to track those cases and go from there to kind of make sure you know it's all contained but that that's not really a thing that like happens here <laughs> so i i think that that is part of the reason why we are still yeah. stuck here in this situation yeah. but that that's 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 definitely something that you know is it's part of the culture but uh what what do you guys think you have learned during quarantine in terms of like because you spend a lot of time like by yourself like it's isolation like so uh is there any point where you maybe self-reflected on something or um took the time to rethink something or maybe reflected on a part of um your life before i guess um what i was talking about was me personally i wanted to with the extra time i wanted to kind of get my my finances figured out i'm pretty sure ryan jackie you know i was talking to them about like <clears throat> about like the Roth ira and like some retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if I talked to Ryan about it, but yeah. And um, I guess the the main highlight from what I've learned in quarantine was I was really trying to learn how to trade stocks. And currently I'm kind of, I'm kind of, um, I'm currently short 400 bucks, but like, I'm still like kind of learning, you know, I haven't given up yet. And yeah. And I guess besides that, the other thing that's, I've really learned, not really learned, but what I faced from quarantine is really like testing my my patience with not being able to do a lot of activities and just having to like maintain my sanity throughout this mm -hmm. this this hard times. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, Killing. I didn't know about the stocks. Uh, let's talk about that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so, Someone asked me else to teach them, but I was like, no, my, my method is like just trading. So like, I, I don't even follow the news. I just look for, 
I look for something that's trending for the day, and then I just trade off that. Let's talk. No, yeah. I, <laughs> so I, have, I have no idea what's going on with Tesla or Amazon or anything else. That's all I can say. So I think what I got out of quarantine the most is time and time to isolate yourself. Um, I think we'll be going over this kind of briefly in the next episode, kind of what I wanted to talk about. But what quarantine has done to a majority of people is really leave you in isolation and once you're in isolation what defies you are you defied by the people you hang out with are you defied by the work that you do what does that work what are the hobbies that you can do isolated do they do those hobbies defy you so in retrospect i was able to do a lot of introspection in terms of what i am defied by or identify with. And I think that over the entire quarantine, I learned that the aspect of comparing yourself to other people and the aspect of, you know, competition doesn't really exist in a quarantine environment, right? Because you're not really exposed to a lot of different people. So once you realize that there's no hurdle or no record to beat, then you start thinking to yourself, what, then what am I running after, you know? What am I doing? So I think what I've learned, and hopefully other people can um, kind of think for themselves after hearing this, is that what makes up who you are? Not, don't put in any other people in that mix, but what do you want to do with your life, right? And what do you want to be remembered by? And I think quarantine is a perfect time to dive into those topics. And once you come out of it, you feel much more relieved and actually much more free, I think, to be able to now dedicate your time to pursuing those aspects. And mind you, if you have a record that you are trying to beat, you don't see the potential that you might have beyond that record because you're using that record as the only benchmark to defy success for yourself. So um, yeah, it's a little philosophical and I hope that our listeners, if you do happen to catch yourself in this similar situation, that you take some time to yourself, rethink what you're passionate about. And And trust me, passion is something really hard to come across, but once you do find it, uh, you'll be much more relieved and much more uh, you'll be much more dedicated to pursuing the best possible version of yourself. So yeah, thanks, Wesley. That's the end for this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening in. We'll be sure to include some more exclusive takes from everyone <laughs> sometime around. All right. Thank you. Peace.